Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we are in the midst of a sermon series here at St. Mark's called Jesus, Man of Mystery. That sermon series title is chosen because there is a mysterious quality about Jesus, especially early in the Gospels, as we are getting to know who Jesus is and who Jesus calls us to be. And it's only gradually does Jesus begin to reveal himself more and more and more to his followers. And we're looking at some of those mysterious qualities of Jesus in this sermon series. Our title of the sermon today is, I Want to Preach Like That. And the passage of scripture that we're looking at is Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Uh, as I was reading this particular passage of Scripture, I was reminded of one of the preaching classes that I took in seminary. You have to take lots of preaching classes, and you might be wondering, well, did you take them, Tommy? Uh, <laughs> you had to take a lot of preaching classes, but in one of those preaching classes, it was different than all the other preaching classes. And in that class, Dr. Teresa Fry Brown invited us into the class. She would close the door after all of the students had arrived, and she would just look out into the classroom, and she would say, okay, today, Tommy, you are going to preach a sermon on, and then she would give you the subject or the theme, or the scripture, and she'd give you like a few minutes to get your thoughts together, and then you had to stand up in front of your peers, and you had to preach a sermon on whatever it was that she told you you had to preach on. Now, you might think that that's the cruelest thing in the world for somebody to do, but Dr. Brown really had a great reason for doing that. Her reason was is that as a pastor, you never know what your week's going to look like, how you might be interrupted, all of the things that you might be invited to do. And there may come a week in your ministry where you don't have time to really work on your sermon. Or you might be in the Kiwanis Club or the Rotary Club and the speaker of the day doesn't show up. There's a really good chance that they're going to look over at the preacher and they're going to say, hey, can you give us a program today? You have to be ready at a moment's notice, she said, to get up and preach or to teach. And so that's the way she began every preaching class. She would just randomly select a person. She would give you your topic, your theme, uh, your scripture, and then you had to get up and preach. Now, there was one particular person in my preaching class that I thought did a fantastic job every time that they were asked. Me. No, it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. Uh, there was this one guy in my preaching class. It didn't matter what she asked him to speak about, what scripture she gave him. In fact, I think as the semester went on, she was trying to stump the guy by giving him really difficult things to talk about. But this guy would stand up in front of our class like he'd been preparing that sermon for his entire life. And I just remember sitting in class saying, boy, I want to preach like that. Well, the reason I thought about that scripture is because I think maybe the same sort of thing is happening in the passage of scripture that you heard read this morning 
by Jesus himself. Jesus, we're told, has gone to Capernaum. And if you're going to go to Capernaum, where else would you want to go if you've been identified as God's son and you have been entrusted with proclaiming the good news about the inbreaking of God's kingdom? Where else would you go than the synagogue, which is a lot like a seminary? It's a place where you go for religious instruction, for religious discussion. And so Jesus goes to the synagogue. Now, we don't know whether Jesus realized when he went to the synagogue that day, whether or not he was going to be the teacher. It could be that Rabbi Brown, way back when, called everybody into a room, closed the door and said, okay, you... Jesus, in a few minutes, I'm going to call on you to give the teaching for the day. We have no idea whether Jesus realized that he was going to be preaching that day or whether he was not going to be preaching that day. We, it, this text just clearly doesn't tell us. But we don't even know what Jesus preached that day. We just know that Jesus a lot like that guy in my seminary class, must have been better at it than everybody else because what Mark tells us is that after he'd finished, they were comparing him to all the other preacher types in the group, the scribes, and they were saying, this guy, I want to teach like that. This guy teaches with authority. I don't know what authority means. Mark doesn't tell us what authority means, but I think it's everybody was sitting in that synagogue that day, and when they heard Jesus teaching, they said, I want to teach like that. And we're told that while Jesus was teaching, there was among the people in the audience a man with an unclean or an evil spirit. Now, Mark doesn't tell us this either, but I'm going to suspect that no one else in that room, except for Jesus, of course, knew that this man was struggling with some sort of unclean or evil spirit, that he was struggling with a demon, whether that be a literal demon or in a metaphorical or a symbolic sense. I'm guessing no one knew that this guy was struggling with that demon until he spoke up. And the reason why I say that is because in Jesus' day, there wasn't a permanent speaker or teacher in the synagogue. It very easily could have been that you walked in and they're like, Tommy, you're going to lead us today. But there was a synagogue ruler. And one of the primary responsibilities of the synagogue ruler, in addition for determining who it was that was going to do the teaching that day, this synagogue ruler's primary responsibility was to make sure that they maintained order while they were having these theological discussions. This synagogue ruler would have been especially entrusted with maintaining the sacredness of the space, the sacredness of the place. 
And a synagogue ruler, if he had known it, would have never allowed anyone with an unclean or an evil spirit, someone who either assumed they were possessed by a demon or actually were possessed by a demon, they would not have allowed this person into the synagogue. Because you see, they believed that people that were struggling with demons, evil, unjust spirits, that they, they were ritually impure. And what's bad about being around somebody who's ritually impure is that if you hang around with them, you run the risk of being contaminated and considered impure yourself. And so I'm going to guess that they had no idea that this man was struggling with a demon until he cried out. And what we're told is that when he cried out, that Jesus immediately commanded that that demon came out of the man. Now, we have no idea. Again, Mark, if I were your editor, I would really take you to task over this. We have no idea how the man responded after this evil spirit had been called out from him. Mark doesn't bother to tell us. But Mark does tell us what the crowd did. The crowd was absolutely amazed. But they were not amazed for the reason that you might think. They were not amazed simply because Jesus had brought this demon out. The way Mark tells the story, they were amazed because it was the words of Jesus that brought healing to this man. It was what Jesus said that brought healing. To the man with an evil spirit, to which I say, I want to preach like that. The reason why I want to preach like that, the reason why I would love for my words spoken, I believe, entrusted to me by the Lord, is I want to bring healing to other people. You see, I can imagine in a room this size with all of these people here and with all the people that might be watching us online that chances are there's at least one person in this room that's struggling with what you might call a demon, some metaphorical darkness, some difficult struggle in your life that you're having trouble naming. In fact, you might be struggling with something this morning, some darkness in your life, and nobody around you even knows about it. Much like that man that entered the synagogue that day. And, and what I would hope is that if that applies to anybody here this morning, that the words of Jesus would be beginning to bring healing into your darkness, whatever metaphorical or symbolic or literal demon that you may think you have. So whether it would be through the sermon 
or whether it be through the reading of God's word, or whether it be the words in an opening hymn, or the words in a prayer, or the words in an anthem, or the, or the words that are given power through the choral music that we've heard this morning. I, I would hope that when you come to St. Mark's United Methodist Church, that the words of Jesus would begin to enter into and dispel whatever darkness you might be experiencing and that it would be the beginning of healing. I want to preach like that. And yet, Despite the fact that I want to preach like that, there are moments when Tommy Ward opens his mouth and instead of words of healing, they're words of hurt. The most recent example of that in my life or the one that sticks out into my mind, the one that I haven't been able to forget since the moment it happened, was two weeks ago. I was standing up here preaching out of John chapter 1. I was talking about how Jesus had called Philip and Nathaniel to follow him before they'd ever seen any of Jesus' miracles. And then I made reference to the first miracle in John's gospel hadn't even happened yet, and that the miracle was Jesus turning the water into wine. You know, I don't preach with a manuscript up here. I, I do have an idea of what I want to say, believe it or not. But, but I don't preach with a manuscript. And sometimes I just get these great ideas in the middle of a sermon, something that I hadn't thought about saying at all, all week long, and I just say it. And in the moment when I was talking about Jesus turning the water into wine, I just thought of this really funny line, and I just... And the funny line was, Jesus turned water into wine, and us Methodists have been loving him for it ever since. <laughs> and I want you to know, as soon as I said that, church, I am not making this up. As soon as I said that, the Spirit of God was already giving me grief. Because there are some in this church... There were some listening online whose demon is alcohol. And you just made a joke about it, like all of us Methodists love it. Your words, Tommy, were not helpful, were not healing. They very well could have been hurtful. I haven't been able to get that off my mind since the moment I said it. Nobody said anything to me. Nobody came up to me after the service and said, well, I'm a recovering alcoholic. You shouldn't have said that. They were too kind. They should have, probably. But they were too kind. But I realized in that moment that I didn't say something that was healing. I said something that could be very hurtful. And so I confess to you that even when you want to have words of healing, sometimes your words can hurt. I want to preach like Jesus. I want the words that I share and, and the person that I am to, to be something that God might use 
in order to begin the process of dispelling the darkness that people are struggling with, to give them hope in the midst of hopelessness, to give them the belief that God loves them regardless of what they've done or where they've been or who they are. I want people to come to St. Mark's and to hear the Word of God proclaimed in such a way that whatever demon it is that you think you're wrestling with, even in that very moment, you might feel it coming out. Seldom in life does it occur to me that demons are instantly removed like they were in our scripture this morning, but maybe that's because Jesus is a whole lot better preacher than I am. But I do believe that Christ can take my words, that Christ can take your life and use it to be an agent of healing in the life of someone else. May it be so.